one. All right. So we're here live with Julian Simon, who I'm a huge fan of. I've been aware <laughs> of his work for a long time uh, with AWS. And uh, I thought this would be maybe one of the, the best possible people to talk about MLOps, in my opinion. And uh, the companies that I think is uh, Hugging Face is really in the, the, the exact spot where I think the industry is headed. So yeah, maybe you can introduce yourself and sure. And, and uh, thank you, Noah. Thanks so much for uh, for having me. And I'm a big fan too, by the way. So now you know, uh, li like a lot of people watching, you know, you, you have uh, great content. So um, well, I'm I'm chief evangelist for Hugging Face. I've been with Hugging Face for uh, about a year now, and before that, uh, I spent about six years at AWS in the developer relations team, focusing on AI and machine learning. And, um, and yeah, spending a lot of time on the, the uh, AI ML stack uh, that AWS is, AWS is building, uh, particularly on Amazon SageMaker, which obviously um, is um, what you could call an MLOps service, right? Bringing your models into production. So yeah, uh, happy, to, happy to chat and uh, try to give some, some you know, thoughts and, and pointers to, to the listeners. Yeah, and, and I th I'm glad you brought that up into MLOps very quickly because one of the things that I think is misunderstood, and, and I think you and I are on the same page on this, but it's, it's misunderstood is people talk about MLOps, MLOps, and then they, the feature store, you know, <laughs> like, like F3 yeah. or what, and, and it's sure, of course, yeah, of course you can do that. But it's, it's like saying to someone who uh, is a, um, you know, a pizza catering service to, to say to them, like, like, Oh no, we can only talk about certain kinds of pizzas if it's frozen or, yeah. you know, it's pre-prepared. Then that's not, that's no, that's not called pizza anymore. It's like, no, it is called pizza. Yes. There's many kinds of pizza. There's frozen pizza. There's pizza that's prepped the night before. There's pizza where you made the dough the same day. Like there's lots of different kinds of pizza. There's pizza that is already cooked and then, and then you take it and you deliver it somewhere. So I think that there's this misunderstanding that organizations that are doing MLOps like have to always create the model themselves. And that maybe that's a yeah, good thing that's for a good you point. to discuss. Well, to me, you know, MLOps is if if we gotta draw the line is uh, anything that needs to happen once you have a model uh, to bring that model in production, and, and I mean production, right? Not POC, not uh, you know, not sandbox production. You know, receiving real life traffic. That's it. You know. Um, and in a way, um, and you know, we love to have buzzwords in, in, in this industry, but it's no different from DevOps and, uh, which is really, Hey, I've got this code, you know, it's been, it's been written, it's been hopefully tested. Um, and I need to put that stuff in prod so that my users and my, or my other apps can use it. So, and I got to live with it. And I think that's the that's the painful part, you know, it's the difficult part. It was difficult for web applications and microservices. And I think it's even more difficult for, uh, for machine learning models um, because a model in production is difficult to observe. You know, observability is, is a big concern for, uh, for uh, production environments, right? 
and it's already difficult to know whether your you know web services and your uh, you know and your apps are working but a model can go wrong in so many ways uh, and a lot of them are completely invisible uh, not to mention you know scaling them and retraining them etc so yeah let's call it mlops um, and indeed um, it's it's to me you know it's not related to training or building models or you know that's the upstream bit um, which isn't that difficult these days and um, and it's becoming less and less relevant because of you know transformers and transfer learning and model zoos you know off the shelf models that you can you can easily experiment with and grab and and then the question is okay i kind of like the model now i want to put it in my production environment and um and whether you're a startup that deploys you know uh, in cowboy mode or whether you're a Fortune 100 company that has uh, very strict compliance rules and, and complex processes to deploy, you know, it's, it's, um, it's quite an adventure. So yeah, there's definitely room for, you know, more videos and more books and, and more headaches. It's difficult. Yeah. I, I like what you're saying about the, the concept of the end result versus the methodology to get mm -hmm. to that result where in academics, which, you know, I have some, you know, um, experience in academics. I'm still in it. kind of, <laughs> I have a half a foot in it, is that, is that in that environment, people are judged by, you know, basically peer acceptance. So mm -hmm. people are writing research papers and they're, you know, writing about theoretical things, but then in the business world, the theory some of it's helpful, but in, in ultimately it's ROI, right? Like, are yes, you solving absolutely. a particular problem? You know, how much did it cost? You know, what are the results? You know, did you create debt that we can never recover from because you created, I don't know, like systemic bias for, you mm. know, discrimination for housing or something like there's all these other issues yeah. that have nothing to do at all with yeah. training the model. Yeah. And, and, and we do need, you know, um, we do need researchers. We do need science teams. We do need super smart PhD folks to advance the state of the art. Um, but they're only concerned with, hey, uh, you know, did I improve on on the state of the art benchmark? Did I, uh, you know, whatever that benchmark is, you know, is the model, you know, faster or more accurate or whatever you're concerned with at the moment and that's fine but then um you know uh, they they I'm, i was going to say they pushed the model to the hugging face hub you know and they published the paper and again we, we're very appreciative of that but as you know as a business as um, as someone who has a business problem to work on and business problem could be you know uh uh, recommending products or it could be uh you know it could be you know healthcare or it could be education I, I take business in the in the widest sense of the word here it doesn't have to be a commercial thing uh, but it's a real life problem i want to i want to fix and and you know i take that model for granted i can i can understand i can read the research paper i can understand what it's good at i can understand how better it is compared to the previous models etc but honestly it's not it's not what's going to impress my users and my stakeholders right um 
if you you know if you work again in a startup or in a in enterprise, you know you're you're not going to waive the the archive paper to uh, to your business stakeholders, to your CMO or your CFO, and say, look, 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 you know the, the confusion metrics is it's just a lot better with this. It's like you know no, um, and, and and they don't care. They want business outcomes. They want business KPIs to be positively impacted. And and when it comes to your IT team or your uh, you know your risk management team and your compliance team, you know they the last thing they want is another model in prod. So uh, uh, you know they probably think they have too many already. So it, it's it's uh, it's generally a, an uphill battle to to find a way to bring that model in production at the right level of performance. Which means, you know, again, business performance and, of course, technical performance, latency, security, compliance, and cost. Because, you know, transformer models, for example, are amazing models. I mean, we, we you can see them every day. The, the new ones are in, increasingly amazing, but they're big, they're bulky, um, they need a lot of GPU power, uh, a lot of memory. And and they work very well in the sandbox, but in production is is a different game. And maybe the cost, you know, maybe the economics of that particular model are, are just awful. You know, um, maybe they're a little better, but that that uplift doesn't create in our enough dollar value to justify the the infrastructure cost. So, and obviously that's a completely different discussion from the science discussion. So yes, MLOps is all that stuff. Uh, start from a great model you read about and experimented with and see if you can find a way to bring it to prod in in a sensible way. And, you know, it reminds me a little bit of sports where you could pick any sport. Like you can pick, pick uh, football, um, you, can, you can pick um, basketball, mixed martial arts, whatever the sport is, you see this example of there's the, the goal, right, that uh, is worth one point. That's, you know, they just kick it in and then, and then there's like someone does a bicycle kick and kicks it in. They're both worth the same. Yes. Like, right. And, and I think with, with machine learning, we haven't learned what a lot of software engineers, like you said, DevOps people learned a long time ago, which is the essence of software engineering is reduction of complexity. That That's any good software engineer or mm -hmm. DevOps person. They, they reduce complexity so small that everything's knowable. In machine learning, we're exploding complexity so large yeah. we don't know anything. Yeah, it, it's you know a lot of enterprise problems are still solved. You know, are still uh, you know classification problems or or regression problems, and they're still solved with you know XJBoost or LightGBM or you know any variation on those. Um, and, and so you know, uh, playing devil's advocate here, as a, as a as a CTO, as a you know, as a as a business stakeholder, um, I, I would challenge the fact that hey, okay, you know, we go from you know ninety eight point five accuracy to with the existing non deep learning solution to ninety nine, but you know the the latency is ten x at least, and and uh, the infra cost is ten x. So you know how does that work? Um, show me, show me the the business impact. You know, and I think that's where a lot of data scientists and machine learning teams struggle. You know, you, you, if you come to your uh, to your customers uh, and, and stakeholders with machine learning metrics, um, you're you know you're, they're going to kick you out. 
Like they don't care. Uh, they don't care about F1 scores and 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 whatnot. It's it's not telling the whole story. The at the end of the day, you need to show them that there is, you know, dollar value in this new model, and maybe there's increased infrastructure cost. Although, of course, like everything else, you can optimize transformers and you can optimize infrastructure. And there's a lot of amazing work, amazing work happening there on hardware acceleration. And you know, we're trying to to contribute to that. Uh, a lot of very cool work in you know shrink uh, model compression, you know quantization, all those amazing techniques, kind of lower the the cost. But you know that's more work you need to do. So um, so MLOps is really you know again finding the balance between you know time and effort and and explainability and and compliance and performance and cost. Um, so it's it's a fascinating field because it's not just technical. You know, it's not just you know run tool A and run tool B and run tool C. Oh, okay, fine. We have a cool model artifact, then we can throw in prod, and and then it's all fine. There's still a lot of unknowns here, and um, again, yeah. hugging face is trying to, to yeah. help there, but you know we're only getting started. Yeah, and I, and I would and I and I think the other part of this that's interesting is the concept of where should you start if you're building an end-to-end -end pipeline and in yeah. many cases you should start with a heuristic, right? And a classic example is the recommendation engine. Like I worked at a, a sports social network 2013, long, almost 10 years ago. And I, I wrote the, the recommendation engine. I, and I remember having a discussion with everybody. It's like, look, first of all, we have very little information about how the, how they work. Uh, we have no data. Right? We, we don't know what people like. And so we have to create a heuristic. There's no other possible way to create a recommendation engine. And then, you know, I, and I, and I, and I created a heuristic, basically similarity ranking. And mm -hmm. then you just find like who with a typical collaborative filtering algorithm, you say like, who do you not follow, right? Oh, you're similar to this person. Well, you probably want this person, but, and then you collect the data and that's not like an easy process. Like mm -hmm. it's like a, a huge long process, but then even further, what's, what's tricky about something like that is, is first you have to start with the heuristic, then you have to yeah. collect the data. And then this is what I've, I've really been kind of looking at uh, people that do recommendation engines now. And one of the things I'm seeing is because it, that's one of the advantages of building something yourself and, and having it run in production is even the top companies of the world, they have bad user experience. Mm. I'll give you an example. Um, GitHub has been recommending people to me all the time. Oh, you want to follow this person? Wait, I already saw that person. I don't want to yeah. follow them. I yeah. actually, they wrote bad code and I don't actually want to see anything they do. I can't, right? like I can't just, I can't, I can't get rid of it. So to kind of going all the way back to hugging face to me, it seems like the parts that are actually the most interesting parts have nothing to do with me training the model. It's me collecting the data from the model that's yes. been deployed and then working on the user experience. Yeah. And you know, I'm always a little wary about you know trends and 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 buzzwords, and we, we like I said, we have way too many. But um, you know, the whole data centric AI movement, let's call it like that, uh, I, I I think is is asking the right questions. Um, it's it's always about the data. You know, uh, 
in the 1970s, you know, it was about the data already, right? Garbage in, garbage out. Uh, you can have the best algorithm, you can have the smartest code and the best model. If you if you fit it, you know, crap features, unclean data, or you know, like stupid features, you know, make your pick. Guess what you're gonna get. And and I think you know, it, it, if anything, you know, time is always constrained. So if anything, work with simpler algorithms, uh, smaller transformers and spend more time collecting data, understanding data, cleaning data, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, you'll, I don't see how you can go wrong that way. Maybe you're not gonna get to the accuracy you need, but at least you'll get a solid baseline, right? And I think there's a risk because those models are increasingly huge um, and it's always tempting. You know, there's a wow effect. Uh, you, you want to work and there's a hype effect. Uh, you want to work with the latest and greatest model that whoever released, you know, some, one day it's going to be Google and the next it's going to be Meta and, and then the next is going to be Microsoft and then the next is going to be someone else. So you're kind of chasing the, the trend here, you know, and, and, and that's okay, you know, it's, it's, why not? But the time you, you, you don't invest in understanding the business problem and, and collecting data and talking to domain experts uh, and so on is, is, is time you'll never get back, you know, because you, you keep chasing the latest and greatest model. And, and, and it's, you know, it's, you know, it's pixie dust in a way. Uh, th those models are amazing, but w who really needs them? You know, it's, uh, maybe five companies or 10 companies in the world are able to run those models at scale in, in, in the greatest and most efficient way for everybody else. You know, maybe distill BERT or maybe, you know, those, those effective uh, optimized versions of huge models are a more reasonable bet. Uh, they're going to be smaller. They're going to have less... Uh, impacts on on your on your infrastructure they're going to be faster they're going to be cheaper to run um they're going to be faster to fine tune so you know my advice as always is you know start small you know uh, i was telling people that seven years ago on ec2 instances why don't you start deploying your app on t2 micro it's like oh it's going to be way too small well, well did you try it? When did you try it out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why did you go with the big M4, you know, and the big M5? And it's, can you, you know, and, and work your way up? And I think the, the same advice, uh, the same advice works for machine learning. You know, try, you know, I'm going to say try linear regression and XJBoost first for some problems, uh, structured, unstructured data, obviously, that doesn't work super well. But when you work with deep learning, you know, start... Try the try the smaller transformers for NLP, you know, and and experiment quickly there, and now you get your baseline and 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 start fine tuning a little bit, and that's not going to train for weeks, right? Don't go for the big guns immediately. Mm -hmm. um, these are longer to train, more difficult. They're more, you know, finicky in a way, and and uh, yeah, just just step by step, right? And uh, be pragmatic, be um, you know, be be reasonable. And, uh, and it's also a good strategy to show incremental progress, 
right? Because maybe the accuracy is not what you want in the first few iterations, but you can understand what's correctly predicted, what's not. It helps you understand the problem better. And, and you know, you can add more data or, you know, work on the data set a little bit and try something else. And you can show to your customers and your stakeholders that there's progress, uh, you know, week after week. Instead yeah, it, of fighting your way through huge models that for months and, and going into what is literally a waterfall project and not a yeah, project. It, it is exactly what you would. You're just, I totally agree with what you're saying. And it reminds me of, you know, my experience running companies that built products that it, my specialty was actually implementing DevOps in companies. And it was always the same thing. It was always like a failed project that had all of the best technology, yes. but no iterative process, right? It, and they were, you know, like, and I remember I was at this one company that said uh, that, uh, oh, we just need a performance engineer. And I was like, no, that's not what you need. No. You need entirely new process. <laughs> like you, you, the problem that the reason why your application blows up my entire laptop, even though it's a web app is not because you need a performance engineer because your entire process is broken. Yeah. You don't have an iterative process. And like to your point, it, it a little bit reminds me of someone building a bridge or, or growing a plant. And a lot of people think that machine learning engineering or software engineering is, is building a bridge when it's a plant. And what happens with a plant is every day is a new day. There's sun, there's soil, there's there's like nutrients, there's water, there's like the wind has to blow in a certain way. So you have to build a system to support the growth of the ecosystem. It's the system that's important, not like each one of those individual pieces. Yeah, it's uh, I, I totally agree. It's um, you know you, you need to get into that agile mindset and and when i say agile and and machine learning in the same sentence people stare at me like i'm crazy but but i'm not i you know i'll i'll defend that for as long as i can but uh you know i think agile is actually the way to get to successful ml projects and uh and start small and then you know start even when you can start with non-deep learning and and uh, and if you move to deep learning, consider you know non-transformer models. Um, get again, you know every every approach, every every model architecture you 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 work with um, is going to teach you something. And and if you move to transformers and big transformers, etc., and really big transformers, you know why, and and you understand the problem better. You know, I think if you, uh, it, it's what you said, right? I mean, it's like people are trying to to build a web platform with every, picking the best of breed component or the best of breed SaaS service or open source um, project for everything. It looks great, you know, it looks great on, on slides. It looks great on in conferences. It looks, it might look great on your resume if people are interested in buzzwords. But, you know, me, I'm interested in business results, okay? How fast you get to production, how quickly can you iterate, how quickly can you go from business problem to uh, ML project to model in production? Hours, days, weeks, months, years? <laughs> and, and, and the other thing that... that there's and the faster you iterate, the more you learn... 
um, the, the more feedback you get from customers, whether yeah. they're, you know, um, actual customers or internal users. And that's the gold right there. It's the feedback. It's not because you don't know. You don't know what real life data looks like most of the time. You know, you, you it's so weird, you know, like images coming from mobile phones. They, they change all the time. You know, they get some of them are bad, just, just bad pictures. And, and, you know, they get, you know, the, 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 like mobile phone pictures from five years ago. And now they have nothing in common. Um, speech is the same, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So you don't know what the data looks like. So the, the, and what problems you're going to have in production and what kind of bias you could have, et cetera, et cetera. So you will only know when you get that stuff in production. So the faster you do it and the, 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 you know, deploy fast, deploy often, that still stands for machine learning. The, there's, there's a, two different business books that I think are interesting books that apply. One of them is, you know, the, or, or the series is like Michael Porter strategy. And what I was just recently reading like a summary of a lot of his books. And one of the things he mentions is this concept of, you know, you don't want to get into a business where it's a competition based business where, where you're directly competing against other people because, you know, theoretically in perfect competition, all profit leads to zero. Mm. And then if you're a startup and you're trying to outcompete Google or, you know, hugging phase or someone else and like, like that, that's another example of like, wait, well, you know, like, why don't I focus on the unique value mm. my business offers yes. to the customer and not compete at all against people in the, the, the building bespoke yeah. machine learning models, you know, or, or to your point, picking the most, you know, incredible machine learning model, because you're, you're now in a competition an execution based competition, which is basically the worst possible scenario for your business. Yeah. And, you know, so I, years ago, I saw this, uh, this tweet and I, I apologies for not remembering who said that, but they said, Hey, if you, if you're the founder of a startup, um, and your products are, um, is a gap in AWS's roadmap. Think again. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it's the same for, you know, it's the same for other big players. So, yeah, I, I think that's, you're trying to, you know, you're running in front of the, of the, of the freight train. So you could, you could be running a little fast in, in the beginning, but, you know, the freight train will squash you to, to the bloody pulp. And that's never a great experience. So you know, I I think it's it's if you look at the you know the B two C the amazing B two C apps that came in the last few years, um, and you can all just look at your phone <laughs> to see which ones I'm talking about. Um, you know, they 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 solved problems that a million people tried to solve before them, like you know, um, car sharing, you know, car uh, you know uh, ride sharing. Don't you think, you know, like 2,000 startups tried to solve that? One of them grew really big. And, you know, music recommendation is a problem that a lot of people try to solve. And, you know, uh, dating is a problem that a lot of companies try to solve. And they yet, you know, like one super efficient and, and, and super, you know, a, a, amazing company solved each one of them. And that's probably the one each one of us is using today. 
Um, and, and the reason why they were so successful is because they, they were super pragmatic about the problem they tried to solve. So, of course, then they grew into technology companies and now they have machine learning teams and they have everything else. And, and they, they actually write, uh, you know, very, very cool open source projects that they share, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but initially, they just, they just moved very fast and they were very pragmatic. So if I was founding an, uh, a startup today, the last thing I would do would be to hire data scientists. Sorry, folks. You know, I would hire, you know, designers and I would hire, uh, you know, front-end gurus and, and a very good PM or two. Um, uh, and, you know, folks who can listen to what the customers have to say and, and take turned feedback into, into sprints uh, and, and, you know, user stories. Um, and I would ask them to delay as much as possible any significant machine learning effort because that's not where the battle is going to be won, you know? Um, that's not where the battle is going to be won. You, you, know, I'm a, you know, I'm a music fan. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Spotify, like, <laughs> like everyone else, I guess. Um, but the user experience that I get there is is just way more than the quality of their recommendation. You know, yes, their recommendation works pretty well for my tastes, but you know, I like everything else. I like the fact that I can plug my phone in the car and it works, and I can, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, machine learning is important, right? I'm not going to say otherwise. But unless unless you're a machine learning company. Um, you know, you should be very frugal with the, the time and effort you, inv you, you invest in there. And, uh, you know, we have 60, I, I just checked, you know, we have 66,000 66, pre-trained models on a hugging phase right now. Okay. Um, why don't you start there? You know, the chances are you can get some work done with a reasonable amount of quality with one of those. And that should be enough for POC and, and maybe for early A-B testing and maybe even for prod. And if you need to go and fine tune models and spend money on GPUs and cloud infrastructure and all that good stuff, which is cool, uh, you should have a good reason for it. But, you know, like adding extra lines on your resumes or, or, or trying to wow whoever with your fancy technical blog posts is not helping your company, is not helping your customers, right? Uh, you got to think about, you know, the user experience first and foremost. Yeah, in th that's actually exactly the point in um, the book uh, Good to Great by um, Tom. I think it's Tom Collins uh, is his name. Also another business um, author. And he, and he did all this research on like what companies went from good to great companies. And 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 one of the, the, the criteria that, that is relevant to machine learning was that companies that went good to great were companies that were already had like a great business and mm -hmm. technology was an accelerant, but yes. they did not become a technology company. So to your point, if you have a great business model and you're solving a particular problem and it's unique, you're not in like brutal competition with other people, then really the machine learning is you want to minimize it. You want to. And so I, I agree with you. Like if I was, you know, building a startup, I would, a hundred percent do what you're suggesting is I would not, I've built many machine learning models in production. I would use hugging face and I'm not trying to, to pump up hugging face. No, no. Come say. On. I'm just saying like, it just makes <laughs> sense to me. Like it's just, just like if someone said, Hey, should I build my own web framework? No, 
you shouldn't. You just whatever one you find yeah. is popular. It's it used to be Flask for microservices. Now it's fast. Sure, use yeah. that one. You know, I, I mean, I, I I couldn't agree more. And you know, if, years ago, and not so many years ago, you know, I was I was meeting when I was at AWS. I, I was meeting with companies who were trying to explain that S3 wouldn't work for them, <laughs> and and they were building some arcane open source hacky thing that most of the time, you know, ended up dying in, in flames. And, and, and of course they would call us and, and, you know, I never took any satisfaction for that. I felt sorry for those folks because they were misguided, you know, they were misguided because some engineer just, you know, had a louder voice than the others and convinced them that this was great. And while in, when it wasn't and, and, and I think, to avoid that, I think it's it's particularly, and it's a topic we don't often discuss. I think it's very important for um, execs to understand that. You know, I'm always a little concerned when I meet CEOs um, or founders that non-technical founders, and and we have this discussion, and and we start talking about tech and ML, etc. And they say, oh yeah, you know, my CTO is in charge of that, and I'm like. Well, hope I hope there are right, um, yeah. But in this day, you know, uh, and age, I, I, you know, I would think that any CEO, any founder, should understand enough technology to, you know, to make sure the right choices are being made. And you know, it could be, you know, going on prem instead of going to the cloud. Which you know some people do, and some of them have a very valid reason to do it, but a lot of them just do it because someone wants to rack servers and mm -hmm. and and play king of the hill or king of the data center. Uh, it, yes, it still happens. Um, and for ML, it's the same. You know, uh, I see people going into oh, we customized our own version of Bert because blah 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 blah. Because somebody wanted to do it, and uh, again, it's it's as an engineer, it's certainly fun to do, and it certainly looks good on your resume, and certainly it will certainly impress your friends at the next uh, ML bar meetup or something. But from a business perspective, from a you know um, a shareholder perspective, from <laughs> from a customer perspective, it's the wrong move. So yeah. you know, I'm not asking that CEOs understand when to use PyTorch or when to use TensorFlow. That's not what I say, right? Uh, but I mean, where, how much machine learning goes into the product? What kind of machine learning goes into the product? What that means for the for the end user experience is certainly something CEOs should worry about. Yeah, I I, I would. I can't agree more with that as well. That's been my experience. And I've personally been burned by it, even being the CTO. <laughs> and, <laughs> and one of the things I would say is that the, anytime you hear someone say we're using exotic technology or like advanced technology, I would say they have a, a greater chance at failure than companies that are using like off the shelf technology. Yeah. And a good example is, um, you know, I think one of the mistakes I've made in my career, I, I had lots of successes, but I've also had failures. A lot of people don't admit their failures. Oh. I'll admit one of my failures. Want to see mine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of them was that 
I remember being convinced that programming languages were like the number one advantage. And I use oh, yeah. I use Erlang, the language, and it's it's an interesting language for sure. And there's lots of cool things about it. The problem with using like weird languages, this was before AWS Lambda came out, mm -hmm. was basically AWS Lambda makes Erlang not even important <laughs> because mm -hmm. because it's a it's a basically a, a concurrency language where like messages can pass between yeah. each other. But if you have AWS Lambda the entire concept is irrelevant and AWS. I can call up on the phone and say, Hey, by the way, um, yeah, Lambda, I have some problems with it. Oh, sure. Let me fix it. So the, the, the idea that you tell people that you're using something that only a few people understand, not only are you probably going to fail, but two, even if you're successful, here's the problem. Who are you going to hire? Nobody. Yeah. And so yeah. it's it's literally if if a you know a venture capitalist or a CEO hears my opinion and I, I agree with you most people don't talk about it if you say I'm using exotic technology and be, all these like advanced things you're basically broadcasting that your chance at failure is way way higher like by yeah, multitude you're fragile you're you know? fragile it's you know I've done I've done some uh, not recently because. You know, I don't have much time yeah. now, but I've done some two deals, you know, uh, back in the day for for VCs. And I would always look at that. You know, I would look at, at the people, obviously, the, the quality of the team, which is still the number one criteria. If you have the right group of people, you know, they'll walk through hell and back and there's nothing they won't solve. But if they start... You know, if their stack is just just a weird combination of, you know, exotic stuff because, oh, there's this amazing feature in F sharp that is crucial to our <laughs> business. I'm like, what? That's a red What's flag. your business again? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, or they use this weird backend that, that, you know, doesn't make a lot of sense. They wrote their own database. Yeah, I yeah they're on their yeah they wrote their own cache system. You know, it's like oh no, we couldn't use Redis or Memcache because you know it's different. Um, and again, there's a niche of company uh, companies that have to do that. Okay, like exotic, you know, um, exotic financial services companies that do everything in C++ and they have hardware acceleration everywhere because they're chasing microseconds. Okay. These folks are, you know, it's another planet. I'm, I'm not talking about that, but you know, your web company, you're building a, I don't know, a price comparator for insurance, you know, companies, that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, this, you know, should be able to do it with PHP, MySQL and, and, you know, Apache, right. Or Nginx. So same for ML. I think it's, there, there are some really good tools out there. Um, most of them open source. Uh, there are lots of off-the-shelf models. You know, Hugging Face has a lot, like I said. Um, infrastructure is in the, available in the cloud on demand. Uh, so it, uh, until you know better, until you have a, a, a compelling res reason to do better, please, please do yourself a favor. Do not reinvent the wheel. You know, start with existing stuff, start with mainstream technologies that are, you know, that, that are easy to get support on, easy to find talent for. Um, you know, when you get bigger, when you have, you know, 
scaling concerns or additional concerns it, it'll be maybe it'll be time to go a little more exotic but yeah start small and uh, to me the main reason for not doing this is because you're you know you're influenced by hype and there's mm-hmm. this amazing blog post from a few years ago called hype driven development um i forgot the name of the author um Apologies, but that that was a brilliant blog post that I, I used a lot in my in my talks. Go and find it, and you know. And the conclusion is, you know, you need to use boring technology. Yeah. And I I tell everybody, and even at Hugging Face, they don't really like it when I say that. But I want to make machine learning boring. And and it's exactly what I mean. You know, I want to make machine learning as simple to use as S3. Okay. Uh, you know, my my dad can can use it my dad can use s3 okay so that's fine um and he's not he's not a he's not a, an engineer at all so yeah i, I want to make I, machine learning this simple and this yeah. commoditized and this accessible because once we have that once it's become transparent then it's super easy to add everywhere and it can solve a lot of problems whether you know business technical social etc and i think that's what we want yeah it, it's, want. it's the opposite i i agree i, I think right now we're 80% of people are interested in doing exotic and 20% are interested in simple, but we need to flip it the other way. Yeah. And so maybe there's a good segue to ask about hugging face now. Cause I think still, I think a lot of people don't know how useful of a, of a platform it is. Like what are some things that someone could do to, you know, they're at a startup and maybe they're even concerned they they listen to the last you know few minutes of, of what we're saying. They're like, oh, that's my company. Like, <laughs> what, what what can they I do to to turn the tide and use hugging face and like is there is there like a, a recipe that you would recommend? So, you know, we try to make machine learning as simple as software engineering. Okay, so the tools, the libraries, and the the, the solutions that we build are targeted at, you know, Joe developer and Jane developer. And I mean that in the most, you know, friendly and positive way possible. So if if you're listening to this and you're not, you don't have a machine learning background, and even if you do, and, and you find yourself, you know, confused and, and scared and, you know, by, okay, you know, I, I know I can add ML to my app and make it better, but I have no idea where to start, then, what I really would recommend is that you go to, you know, the Hugging Face uh, hub, huggingface.co, and you'll see we have lots of models for natural language processing and computer vision and speech, et cetera, et cetera. And you can quickly browse those models through the, you know, the task type. So let's say you want a model to summarize uh, French documents, click on summarization and French language, and you'll get a list of models. They're sorted by popularity, you know, number of downloads, etc. So you can look at the top popular uh, models. That's always the, I guess, the safest bet. Click on them. You can you can read about them. We have, you know, uh, for many models, we have extensive descriptions. We call that the model card, telling you what the model is, how it's been trained, uh, what it's good for, code snippets to use it. You can even test the model right there on the page. There's a, what we call the inference widget, which is a small box where you can type text or upload an image or, a, or an audio clip, depending on, on the, the modality. And you can see some results, right? And you can see, you can educate yourself on, okay, so that 
architecture, that model is good for this kind of problem. Okay, so then the next step is you copy paste those code snippets to, to download the model, in, load it into your app, uh, which is really, it's a one-liner most of the time and start predicting stuff, right? In your dev environment and see how it goes, right? And, and measure accuracy and measure performance, et cetera, et cetera. And try different models, you know, swap all those models, do, do, do that differently. Um, and, and, you know, just see how it goes, take it from there. And then obviously we have lots of learning resources. We have a, a really good course on transformers, uh, huggingface.co slash course, uh, which is constantly updated by the open source team. And it's, it's amazing. I cannot recommend it enough. And it's not for machine learning experts, although, you know, it's a good way to learn about the libraries if you're an expert, but for developers, it's a great resource. Uh, we have a, a content to um, introduce all the task types. What does segment image segmentation mean? What does zero shot classification means? Uh, you know, huggingface.co slash tasks, amazing content by the, the DevRel team. So those, the course and the tasks page and will get you on the right track. And then you can start experiment, experimenting with models. And I didn't say anything about training because a lot of time you're not going to need to train. Uh, if you need sentiment analysis, if you need translation, if you need speech to text, if you need summarization, there are many, many good models that just work out of the box. So unless you have a very specific domain, you know, maybe life sciences or I don't know, chemical engineering have crazy jargon that the model might not understand very well. So in that case, you can go and train, which is not a super difficult process with our libraries, but a lot of times you can work with the out of the box uh, pre-trained models. And it's just a few lines of code, you know, don't take mm -hmm. my word for granted. You know, you should never trust evangelists generally uh, go and try it for yourself and, uh, and ping me if you have questions. And in terms of the inference, I'm assuming your API, if I remember correctly, it, it charges by like requests. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So we have a, we have a service called the inference API, which lets you deploy uh, any model from the hub uh, to, uh, to a managed endpoint. Um, and, and there, you can use it in a free, totally free way. Uh, obviously, you know, there are restrictions on, on performance and et cetera, et cetera. But for a dev and test, it's, it's, it's the only thing you need. So you can even deploy and, and you know, wire that uh, HTTPS API into your app and test it. You know, it's not going to be blazingly fast, but it's enough to validate the the, the, you know, the flow of the app and, and get some feedback on it. And then, yes, if you want to have, you know, uh, um, um, uh, auto scale and, you know, GPU acceleration and, and all that good stuff, then yeah, we have paid plans and it's, it's pay as you go really. So um, yeah, inference is a, is really, is, is a really hot topic because as we said at the, at the beginning of the discussion, you know, deploying models is, is difficult and uh and it takes it takes a lot of time. So with our solutions, you know, it's it's one line of code, uh, you know, just pointing at the name of your model on the Hugging Face Hub, wait for a few seconds, and it gets loaded. So it, I, I have to say, you know, I know you shouldn't trust me, but honestly, I, I haven't seen a simpler solution. And it, I mean, and, and it sounds like you know, I think, and kind of going back to the simplicity versus complexity is that one of the things that I've said to people is that, do you really even need um, uh, online uh, inference? Yeah. 
sometimes it's it's a good point um it's a good point uh, some some use cases work perfectly well with batch prediction um obviously anything that's wired into you know customer facing app uh like we said you know uh if I'm if I want you know music recommendation, I want I want it now. Okay, so uh, so that kind of stuff needs to be you know real time, and you can use the again the, the inference API for that. But if you just need you know if you're if you want to predict if you want to let's say summarize documents, uh, you know you have a bunch of docs that came in during the day, or you want to translate them. You had a bunch of contracts that came during the day. And, and, you know, you don't need real-time translation. You need it maybe, you know, for tomorrow or, or you want to do it once a week. Then, yes, batch translation is is uh, is simple. It's much more economical because you don't need to have a live endpoint 24-7. So you can just run that stuff uh, in, a, in a Python script, schedule it any way you like. And uh, and yeah, and retrieve your predictions and put them wherever. And and, and that could be extent. like a and that could be like a way for people to like get like we, we follow the advice we said earlier, which is you could start with hugging face in a batch mode. Yeah, and it's easier to sell it to your management because, like for example, someone oh we're not paying for this oh you know whatever, and then you what you could do is just do batch first and yes. just use it for three months. And then yeah. it's like, wow, this is amazing. Okay, let's just yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. Let's for, again, for yeah, it, for some task types, you know, it, it makes and some um, use cases, batch works perfectly well, and it's 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 you don't need anything else. Uh, it's generally, like I said, less expensive, and it's also you know more. Uh, it's also safer because if if your if you run if your prediction job goes wrong, mm -hmm. whatever that means, okay. I mean, no one sees that. No one sees that, right? It's it mispredicts, or the model does a terrible job on this particular documents because I don't know, the, you know, the language was set wrong, or I don't know, the docs were corrupted. Anything could happen. Okay, you can you can analyze the problem and, and offline and and run it again. Uh, you know, the concern with live models is, of course, what if they mispredict? What if they return? Uh, you know, incorrect or or you know uh, or, or or just bad wrong content to um, uh, to to the users and you know generative models. Um, so models that don't just predict a, a bounded result, but for example, you know models that use for, that are used for chatbots, right? That actually build new text you know can generate offensive or yeah or just generally you know generally you know very weird crappy content sometimes so there's always that concern so yeah if you if you want to understand the model a little better and you can work with batch initially yeah i think it's a good way to go and, tr and i guess a couple other things that come to mind with hugging phase one is because i teach a lot of students uh, job skills and portfolio building um, actually, recently, I've actually been encouraging students to build um, uh, actual portfolio projects on Hugging Face. And do you have anything to say about, you know, that process? Uh, yes, I think I, uh, you know, I think it's uh, if you're a student and, and you should use some of your time to to, I would say, get as familiar as possible with, you know, 
open source, maybe even contribute, right? I mean, there are lots of things to be to be taken care of. So if you go to github.com slash hogging face, you can see our projects there. Um, you know, you can start with uh, fixing, you know, the documentation or adding new examples or fixing small bugs. You know, I, a lot of issues have this tag that says um, good first issue or something. Oh. So, yeah, and, 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 you know, you'll always be welcome, you know, don't, so don't be intimidated. And if you want to contribute um, and over time, you know, you can work on bigger things there. That That's great. Um, another way that um, you could, you could, you know, uh, upskill is uh, we have this really cool product called Spaces. Um, and Spaces is basically a, a simple way to showcase machine learning models uh, as a web application. So all you have, to, and it's hosted on a hugging face, right? And if you've played with Dali Mini or any of the other crazy image generation models in the last few weeks, you know, you may have used hugging face uh, without even noticing it. Uh, yes, there's quite a bit of traffic there. But Spaces basically requires that you write a simple Python app using either Gradio, which is a, one of those web frameworks, and it's actually part of Hugging Face now, or Streamlit. Uh, and, and you can push that code to, uh, to a managed repository on the Hugging Face app, and it will automatically fire up the app. So if you go to huggingface.co slash space, excuse me, slash spaces, uh, you will see, you know, thousands of different spaces showcasing different models. So if you have a cool idea of a, you know, of a, a machine learning powered application, um, why don't you build it and push it to spaces? And, uh, and you know, the, the Hugging Face community will, will, uh, will be able to, to use it and send you feedback on it. And it's, it's an easy way to, you know, it's, a, it's like Heroku for machine learning apps <laughs> in a sense. So it's very easy to, to, to do and um, and yeah, you can build your online portfolio of you know cool and funny or wacky machine learning applications using hugging face models. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell students I've been saying this for years is that if I see two resumes, one of them has links to things that work and one of them doesn't. I mean, who are you going to hire? Yeah, um, you know, so GitHub repo is what you would look for uh, for for a software error. Uh, software engineer, I guess, um, with contributions, an active repo, right? With contributions and pull requests to to projects, etc. Um, and for for anyone interested in the, in a machine learning career, I, I think you would want to see stuff on Hugging Face. Uh, I'm not saying it's a must, but exactly what you said. Uh, if you have junior resumes and one has that. And, and you can interview the person and realize, okay, there's actually you know, hundreds of hours of work there and some familiarity and, 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 and under, an understanding of what modern machine learning is and not just someone who followed a couple of MOOCs, uh, no matter how amazing they are, um, it's not the same, right? It's, it's a more, if you actually write code and push it and debug it and, and get feedback on it, it's, it's just a more active, way to learn so yeah i would encourage everybody to do that and similar to what you said about i love that you have the first issues concept is i'm sure even some of my students have have are talented enough that they're they're thinking huh well maybe instead of me doing kaggle 
and sharing Kaggle projects, maybe I could do a hugging face model and yeah. I could follow maybe like maybe a suggestion from hugging face and I don't know, find the data myself. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and like, do you have like an advanced kind of recipe for people that want to prove themselves as model creators? Yeah. Start. Like I said, I, step one would be find some fun models on the hub, combine them in a, in a clever way oh, okay. with a nice looking space. Okay. No training involved. So you're not, yeah. you know, spending any money on, on, on training there. You can do all of that on your, on your laptop. I, I actually do that a lot and, and, you know, create those spaces and, you know, step one. And then step two, I guess is okay. Go and grab some, we have uh, over 6,000 data sets on the hub as well. We always talk about the models, but we do have quite a few data sets. So find an interesting data set, um, train or fine tune a model on it. Okay. Uh, push the model back to the hub so that people can benefit from that. Uh, you know, one example is, okay, we have the Amazon reviews data set. Okay. So that's real life Amazon reviews. Uh, and, uh, and there are many ways you can work with those from classification to you know, entity extraction to whatever. Um, so go and train models on those data sets, build something that's, you know, unique and interesting, and then build a space with it and push it to hugging face. And then yes, contribute your own data sets. If you, um, you know, if you have data that you're allowed to share or, or data that you scraped, uh, in a respectful fashion from, whatever website that allows it um, and, and you can contribute it to, to the hub, then go and do that. And, you know, it's, it's, again, it's an iterative process. Okay. Start with what's available there. Don't train. Okay. Just combine those Lego bricks and build something fun and then add your own bricks. Hey, here's my fine tuned model or here's my data set and, and take it from there. And, um, and yeah, and if you're, uh, you know, if you're a software person, then go and, and, you know, contribute to to the libraries. There, are, you know, there's the transformers library, the datasets library. We have hardware acceleration libraries. I mean, there's there's probably something for everyone there. Um, and uh, and we try to be, you know, we try to be friendly and welcoming to 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 new contributors. And uh, and if that's not the case, then I want to know. <laughs> But I think generally this this is a very friendly project, and actually a lot of hugging face engineers were hired because they contributed heavily to the projects and they got noticed. And, so, and you and I think I re, I remember you posting somewhere that like you're you're actively hiring, like you're there is yeah, no slowdown. We are hiring, yeah. So yeah, yeah we, we are hiring. So uh, I, you know I, I, the bar is pretty high, as you can imagine. We do get quite a few uh quite a few resumes and you know i wish we could answer to everybody and give feedback to everybody you know why you were not selected i know it's a challenge so you know apologies if if that happened to you we're really trying to fix that um but yeah if the the, the main thing is if you want to consider joining hugging face is you know hands-on experience hands-on experience and more hands-on experience uh, whether it's the science team, you know, the research team or, or the open source team or the infra team, uh, you know, we want people, we want, you know, practitioners, we don't want preachers. Okay. So uh, we want people who know NLP and 
and or computer vision and or speech and who've built actual stuff with it. And for junior, you know, folks, it's difficult, but um, uh, because you're just starting. So, you know, it's, it's not something you can easily fix. Um, but again, contributing to the, to the repos and, and trying to be helpful and, and, you know, blogging and, you know, talking about hogging face in meetups and, and whatnot is all those things will, um, you know, will get you noticed. And, uh, even, even though it might take a bit of time, but yeah, go, wow. go and, you know, take, take, a, take, take your chance. Don't be shy. You know, uh, we, we, some junior folks are, are actually making the, making it. So, um, if you're amazing, you know, where we want to hear about you. That's great. Um, great, you know, advice. I think this whole conversation and, uh, we're, we're going to put this onto the Riley platform and we're also going to use this as an interview in the enterprise ML ops book. And so I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> will, will benefit from what you said. Yeah. Just and, don't uh, send me your resume, please, okay. please, please. Okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, apply. I'm the worst bottleneck ever. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, well, I think please. your advice is great advice. Yeah. Which so, is just, yeah, uh, that's why I was also yeah. you know, thinking about explaining a little bit the whole process, because hopefully, you know, people can can understand and because I can't. I can't take 30 minutes to speak with everybody out there. Yeah. Although, you know, I'd love to, but it's just not. Uh, and I like, you know what I really so like about apply what, on the website, yeah. please. <laughs> well, and I really like what you're saying is that it's very ethical the way you're describing the, the way to get noticed, because look, even if for whatever reason you're amazing and hugging face can hire you, look what you just did. You created an amazing portfolio. So someone else can hire you. Right. Yeah. So that to me, that, yeah, that's sure, I think, an sure. amazing it's, yeah, strategy. It's, Yes, it's um, you know I I know uh, sometimes you know I, I, sometimes you get your you set your sights on on a certain company and you're kind of you know you're obsessed about it and you know yes hugging face is is a is a good place to work for sure and 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 we have interesting projects and 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 a, and a fun team etc cetera, etc cetera. but there are many good companies out there okay so um, the best advice if you're if you're uh, building your career into ML is you know. Hands-on, 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 grow your skills, uh, work on your communication skills because it's not just the code, you know. So, you know, start blogging, even small things. You don't have to go for moonshot projects. But if you, if you, if you write well, if you, if you have interesting YouTube videos, if you speak at local conferences or meetups, it doesn't have to be like 10,000 people rooms. You know, I've never done a 10,000 people room. Uh, so, you know, so there's that. It's like it, it doesn't matter. It's 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 the learning process. Uh, it's along the way, learning how to face a room, learning how to write a blog post, learning how to do videos. Right. And, and you know, Noah I can teach you a lot about that as well. But just get to it. You know, it's not your 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 your, um, your degree is great. Congratulations on the degree. But it's never going to be enough. So. You need to have more than the degree, especially as a junior, uh, the junior person. The great advice. And how, how can people get a hold of you? What, what, like, I, I know you have just blogs and YouTube <laughs> channels and like, what, what would you recommend if somebody wanted, they liked everything they heard? Uh, LinkedIn, I think is, uh, okay. I mean, I'm happy to connect uh, with uh, almost everybody on, <laughs> on LinkedIn. So, you know, like if you're trying to sell me something that I really don't need, you know, it's, it might not work, 
But uh, yes, if you're a junior engineer and you want to stay in touch uh, with Hugging Face and you have some, you know, uh, small questions that I can answer in one minute. Um, yeah, go ahead. I, you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not trying to be elite. I'm not, I'm not that guy, literally. Uh, people who know me would, would confirm. Uh, you know, I come from the trenches. I am in the trenches. I'll stay in the trenches. And if I can help, you know, I've, you know, my career is not over, I think. I hope. Uh, I, I, there's a bit of mileage left uh, in, in the engine. And, uh, you know, I know it's difficult to start in tech to, to get a career in tech initially. So if I can help people with content or, you know, uh, small, small pieces of advice, uh, I'm, I'm happy to do it. So yeah, connect on LinkedIn and, and you can find me on Twitter and, and, and YouTube, et cetera. But yeah, that, there's more, uh, there's more content that you can watch in your life. I think. <laughs> Great. Well, 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 thanks for the, the time. I mean, honestly, I learned a lot of stuff. Well, thanks. It's a great imagine. conversation. Yeah. I can only imagine. I think a lot of people are going to benefit from this. Yeah. And I know I'm Thanks to COVID not, you know, ruining our lives so much these days. I'm actually on the road. Um, so uh, yeah, I, um, you can, on my medium uh, blog, uh, I have the list of events I'll be present at. Uh, I'll be in the Bay Area at the end of September. Um, I'll be in Atlanta at the beginning of September. So yeah, I'm flying again, uh, US and, and Europe. Uh, no no APAC for now, but I'm I'm working on it. So yeah, feel free to, if you're in the area, feel free to drop by, feel free to say hi, uh, don't be shy and let's have coffee and, and chat about machine learning, okay? Um, awesome. I'm just a regular guy. So come and say hi. And, uh, and <laughs> if you want to take a picture, <laughs> let's take a picture. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, thank, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye, everybody.